You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. All right, everyone, welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, This is our first episode since hiatus. Uh, We are back. Um, I would like to remind everyone, first of all, that coming very soon, we will have our 100th episode. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, But joining us today, we have Drew. Uh, He is a part of the Elections Predictions Official uh, YouTube channel, which has uh, tens of thousands of subscribers on YouTube. Uh, and he is joining me today. Drew, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a, always a pleasure to be on this show. So, Drew, for those who are new or who perhaps have not heard of the Elections uh, Predictions official YouTube channel, uh, tell people a little bit about what you do on the YouTube channel. Um, so basically, uh, around election time, I mean, there's three uh, maybe big major elections this year. We take into effect every uh, analytical report, every single poll, every single uh, swing that could have happened from the last election. What trends are happening to properly predict uh, the outcome of an election? And I know the last time we were on the show, this was it was pre-election, but we have our post-election results out, and we had almost 97 percent accuracy on wow. our YouTube uh, presidential election prediction. I believe the only state that we pretty much missed was the state of Georgia. Oh wow. I believe on uh, on our channel too that or on our uh, Instagram account as well uh, that was the only state we got wrong as well uh, at, not including Nebraska's district we got that wrong but yeah um, so uh, as you mentioned there are um, a few major races this year I know specifically um, there are three gubernatorial elections uh, there's uh, the California or the uh, the New Jersey gubernatorial election where. Uh, where Phil Murphy is running for re-election, Democrat. Obviously, there's the open Virginia race. Every uh, four years, the uh, the race is open in Virginia due to one-term limits. Um, obviously, it's held by a Democrat, Ralph Northam, now. And obviously, there's a recall election in California this year. Gavin Newsom is hoping to hold on. Um, what are your predictions for uh, for those races as of today? Well, in Virginia, uh, with the term limits thing, I with ter- former Governor Terry McAuliffe, I think I, I don't know exactly the rule, but I do know that you can only serve one consecutive term. Now, I don't know if you can serve one term, leave it leave it open, and then serve another term again, and then just do that on and off for as long as you can. But I do know that former Governor Terry McAuliffe from the Syracuse area. Um, he, he was extremely popular. I believe he preceded Governor Northam. Uh, he is running now in the Democratic primary. He was endorsed by Governor Northam. The lieutenant governor of uh, Virginia is running, and uh, a former House delegate, Jennifer Carroll Foy, who is more of a of the progressive wing of the party, uh, is also running now. Uh, I, my predictions for the primary and the general um, – I believe that Terry McAuliffe will win the primary and that he will go on and win the general election. Phil Murphy, I think he will slide into re-election, maybe not as easily uh, as uh, he did in 2017 or maybe just a little bit uh, easier than he did in 2017. And we really can't tell with that right now. Uh, in California, I don't think Governor Newsom faces a real big challenge. He's not going to get to the point where he was in 2016, uh, where he had won more a more percentage or more amount of most amount of votes uh, in California history for a state election, uh, but he I think he will uh, win re-election. I don't think that this is another recall election where an Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come in and win. Um, and I believe those are the only three gubernatorial races, correct? Yes. Um, now, next year, obviously, big midterm year. 
you know, the House is up for grabs. The Senate is up for grabs. Uh, you know, Democrats would like to, uh, you know, retain power. Republicans would like to make some comebacks. Uh, as of, I know this is a long time away, but as of today, how's the House and the Senate looking? I believe the House is just completely up in the air right now, you know. It all kind of really also depends on the candidates. And uh, when you look, like in Missouri, Missouri usually wouldn't be a competitive race, but in 2016, Senator Roy Blunt narrowly won re-election. And Senator Blunt is retiring at the end of his term, leaving the seat open. And the former governor... uh, that resigned in disgrace pretty much in 2018 is running for the Republican nomination. So if you get candidates like this who are, uh, you know, say Donald Trump backs them, they win the primary. These are candidates that could possibly lose key states like Missouri, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania for the Republicans. But if you have a solid GOP candidate coming through in Missouri, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, the GOP can retain these states and could possibly go on and win Arizona. I mean, that might be a stretch. They could go on to possibly win New Hampshire. Uh, In the House, it really depends on President Biden's uh, you know, his future in office. Does he get the border crisis under control? How fast do vaccinations get out in the future? These are all different aspects. If he gets vaccines out, if he gets 300 million shots in arms by the summer and we start to go back to normal by June, he will be probably extremely popular. If the border crisis gets under control, he'll be very popular. But if all this goes wrong, the House could be jeopardized. The Senate could be jeopardized. But right now, I'd say the Senate might stay in Democratic hands. But I would say that the House is in the air. Republicans could take it. Democrats could retain it. It all kind of depends. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into uh, the current stories right now. Uh, so Congressman, uh, Florida Congressman Matt Gates uh, is continuing uh, to come under uh, fire uh, right now for his uh, handling uh, of the uh, right now he he's under fire over allegations uh, that he traveled around and entered a relationship uh, with a 17 year old girl. Um, Gates adamantly defends or or has defended himself against the allegations. He is claiming that they are false. Um, right now, Illinois Congressman uh, Adam Kitzinger, uh, known to be more of a moderate Republican, has called for Gates to re uh, to resign from office. He is the only Republican so far to do that. Um, right now, uh, it was reported recently uh, that Gates uh, asked. President Trump at the end of his time in office uh, for a blank pardon uh, just for any crimes he may have committed. Uh, However, former President Donald Trump has denied this. Uh, He says that this never happened. Despite this, uh, it is being reported that uh, Gates was denied a Trump visit uh, to Mar-a-Lago. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's deeply troubling for the representative. I mean, him and President Trump were uh, close as close could be when he was in office. You know, he was always there for him. He was at the height of the Stop the Steal rallies for the president. He traveled all the way out to Wyoming after Representative Cheney voted to impeach him. He was there for weeks with his son, Donald Trump Jr., fighting, saying, I want Liz Cheney out of office, doing rallies getting his name dragged in the dirt for Donald Trump, even went out at CPAC and said, this is the party of Donald Trump, and practically it will forever be uh, the party of Donald Trump, or at least in my eyes it will be. And this is a man that has put his life to Donald Trump. Donald Trump loves the man. I mean, this is kind of like an equivalent to Marjorie Taylor Greene, although you can't really make a comparison there. But on the basis of how close they were to Trump, that's how close he was. And to see that he is not being invited to Mar-a-Lago for these major Florida fundraisers, that he's not getting into these inside fundraisers, which are raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for candidates, that he's being denied a fundraiser or just a ticket to or just a meeting with the president is extremely troubling. This could mean that the president could be distancing himself from Gates 
thinking that this could be a true allegation that he does not want to get caught up in. I mean, we even saw this on Tucker Carlson uh, on his show when he even tried to kind of distance himself from Gates. I think Republicans might start to distance themselves from Gates. Um, themselves from Gates. This can all kind of fall down for the representative very quickly. And who knows, but it's going to be extremely interesting in the next few weeks to see what happens. All right. Uh, so right now, um, uh, so let's move on to the next story. Uh, so uh, Governor Ron uh, DeSantis uh, is now claiming, or in his mind, he's claiming victory uh, over a recent controversy uh, over 60 Minutes. Uh, 60 Minutes, uh, CBS 60 Minutes put out a story uh, involving uh, DeSantis uh, linking him to uh, campaign uh, donations, um, uh, linking him right now to campaign donations he made to the supermarket chain Publix, uh, which um, right now in uh, some areas of the globe or in, in some areas of Florida, specifically Palm Beach County, Publix is the number one uh, distributor of vaccines. Um, so, um, right now, um, uh, 60 Minutes was claiming that, uh, was claiming that DeSantis, uh, there was involved in a pay to play scheme. There was also a video, uh, that they played, uh, involving a confrontation that a reporter for 60 Minutes had with DeSantis, uh, right now. Uh, however, after the interview, Dave Kerner, the Democratic mayor of Palm Beach County, has claimed after seeing the interview that uh, he wasn't approached by 60 Minutes, that it was, quote, intentionally false, uh, and that um, and he's called on them to apologize. Uh, DeSantis is now claiming that 60 Minutes lied and is now attempting to declare victory uh, over 60 Minutes. Um, recently, according to the uh, site Predict It, Ron DeSantis is now the number one uh, candidate uh, on betting on the betting market uh, to be uh, the Republican nominee for president in 2024, even above Donald Trump. What are your thoughts on the Publix scandal? Well, I really don't know too much about it, but if it if what you're saying, if it becomes true, if 60 Minutes uh, did lie. That could definitely hurt a Democrat's chances. A 60 Minutes could be seen as a Democratic-leaning source. He could take to this, ele- to this election and be like, I got a Democrat on my side saying Democrats lied. This is why he, whoever his opponent could be, it could be Andrew Gillum again, it could be somebody else saying they're liars. This is why I should win. He could easily float to re-election in 2022. Um, but if it comes out that it's true— if it comes out that he did this, this could hurt him not only in 2024, but this could hurt him in 2022, costing Florida for the Republicans. Right now, I don't see a, uh, a scenario where Marco Rubio loses his Senate seat. I don't see a scenario in which uh, Ron DeSantis loses his governor, uh, his seat in the governor's mansion. But if this scandal blows up a little bit more, if it gets more national media attention, uh, if it gets proven true uh that 60 minutes did not lie that he was involved in this public scandal then this could really hurt republicans not only him but marco rubio in florida in his senate election all the democrats would need at that point is a strong candidate to come across the stage and then you have uh 2018 all over again with bill nelson and uh rick scott and Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum, you got it right back in 2018, where it's neck and neck and no one knows where it's going. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so in Albany, New York, um, in on one of the buildings, uh, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a light up uh, building that says NY Tough. However, recently, uh, the building instead said NY Touch. Um, now, uh, at first, many believed uh, that this was unintentional and this was a mistake. However, now many are saying uh, that this actually was an intentional jab at uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, Cuomo has recently come under fire for sexual harassment allegations levied against him. Um, however, uh, many have said, um, 
Many have called on Cuomo to resign. However, so far, he has not done so. What are your thoughts on the NY Touch uh, incident in Albany? Uh, well, do you know if the NY Touch building is like a government-owned or a private-owned? Um, it's in the Corning Tower, and I believe that's a public building, but let me see. Um, yeah, that is a public building. It's a state government building in Albany. Yeah, so I would think I would think that maybe a few lights glitched out, but I think that it is um, because the G could easily, you know, you cut off a little bit of it, then it can easily turn into New York touch. But with uh, Governor Cuomo and his scandals, this is a guy that one year ago, probably on the date, was the most popular public official in the country. I mean, people... Millions of people, not even citizens of New York, tuned into his briefings. They tuned into him. They adored the guy. He was actually – people were talking about replacing him last minute at the convention and replacing Joe Biden with Andrew Cuomo. And now now he's probably one of the most hated politicians in America, having – I'd say roughly 80% of his party, maybe even 90% of his party, calling on him to resign because of his sexual uh, harassment and maybe even assault allegations by some of these accounts by the accusers. Uh, Attorney General Letitia James is taking this uh, very seriously, her office, and I think even a third-party private investigator is even looking into the sexual uh, assault or harassment and or harassment claims uh, into the governor. But if this proves true, if this if these invest if this investigation proves that um, Governor Cuomo did uh, harass or assault these women, that these women are telling the truth, then he is in for a primary ride. He might actually be. Uh, with, there's even impeachment uh, processes going on in the state assembly right now. Uh, Speaker Carl Heasty is starting these uh, sort of hearings on the governor. He might even be impeached before he could face a primary challenge, possibly from even the attorney general that conducted the investigation, or maybe even his own uh, lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, who could even run uh, to defeat him. She's been uh, lieutenant governor since 2015. This could really prove out to either, uh, if this really does prove to be true, if these allegations do prove to be true, he might be impeached and removed from office before he could even get a chance uh, to face a primary challenge. What do you think are the uh, chances as of now that uh, Cuomo uh, survives and goes on to win the nomination and eventually potentially the governorship in 2022? Uh, Well, I believe that uh, his chances as of right now, a poll came out, uh, New York Post uh, might have published uh, this, maybe even a right-leaning, their right-leaning source that might want to show that Cuomo's failing inside the party showed that nearly, I believe, 60 percent, maybe 50 to 60 percent of New Yorkers want the governor to stay in office. They do not want him to resign, which could potentially put him in another position as of right now to win the primary. Uh, Representative Lee Zeldin of Long Island, uh, New York's first congressional district, I recently announced his candidacy uh, for governor to take down Governor Cuomo. He does not really face that big of a challenge uh, to Governor Cuomo. It might be a little tighter than 2018. It might be a little tighter than 2014. But this can definitely prove uh, to be a little tighter of a challenge in the state of New York uh, if he does survive uh, this primary. As of right now, I believe he will survive the primary, but I believe that once more evidence if more evidence comes across if the attorney general and the private investigator say he actually did this the accusers are telling the truth then he will lose if he even makes it to the primary he will lose the primary all right uh well let's move on to the next story so as you mentioned new york congressman uh lee zeldin has announced that he is running on the Republican side for governor of New York. Uh, The last few gubernatorial elections have not been competitive uh, for the Democratic Party. Um, 
George Pataki was the last governor, New York uh, was the last uh, Republican to serve as governor of New York. He was also the last Republican to hold statewide office in the state as well. Uh, Pataki's re-election in 2002 was not only the last time that Republicans uh, won a governorship, it was also the last time that Republicans ever received more than 40% of the vote in a New York uh, gubernatorial general election. Uh, since 2006, uh, no Republican has ever uh, been governor. Um, so uh, Zeldin would be the first since 2006. Uh, however, Zeldin is now hoping uh, with his uh, status as a congressman uh, that he is that he may be more high profile and that could help him uh, win a uh, a better primary compared to Cuomo. Well, he could uh, most definitely have with his. I mean, he's not a pop. He's not too much of a well-known uh, congressman. And not even really in the state of New York. Uh, I mean, he's really only known for facing. Uh, kind of pretty tight elections in Long Island, um, but he comes through every year. Um, and he's not an Elise Stefanik. He is not a good, he's not a popular uh, household name, Republican House member, uh, congressman that you talk about, like, if you're, in, if you're into politics deeply. Um, he doesn't have that much of a high profile uh, as congressman, uh, Long Island, he definitely would win, but Republicans usually win that anyways. The really real place he would really have to focus in, which Mark Molinaro lost, is he, he did win upstate New York by uh, quite a little bit, but he needs to focus more on upstate New York. He has to focus more on the downstate area, the Albany area. I mean, not win New York City, but to try and claim some of New York City, you know, maybe some of Brooklyn, Manhattan. These t- Tight, dense areas where he would need to win people. Long Island is not going to do it for him, where he is really only popular there. He needs to do more. He definitely could get through a Republican primary easily, um, but he, I don't think that his highest profile status would push him to a, a victory. And not only that, but because of the political divisions and I'm only voting for a Democrat or I'm only voting for a Republican in 2021. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so uh, right now, uh, Joe Biden is preparing uh, to introduce uh, President Joe Biden is preparing to introduce executive um, uh, orders involving gun control. Um, this comes after uh, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and other uh, Democrats in the Senate uh, have indicated uh, that they believe uh, the bill that was being pushed or some of the some of what was being proposed by Joe Biden uh, was uh, too intrusive. Uh, with that, uh, currently Democrats only hold 50 seats uh, in the United States Senate. They have a majority due to uh, Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie. Uh, but it means uh, not having Joe Manchin and a few other senators to vote for a key bill uh, means uh, that unless they were able to get some Republicans to cross over uh, and support the bill, uh, there was no way uh, they could get any bills passed uh, through uh, Congress. Uh, so what are your thoughts uh, on Joe Biden introducing uh, executive action on gun control? Um, well, I mean, no one really could blame him to get his agenda across that he promised on the campaign trail through executive action. Donald Trump did that in 2017. He did that a lot when Congress did not want to cooperate with him as far as his powers reached. But he also, Joe Biden has also tried going through Congress, but with a nearly Republican Senate, it just takes one vote. It just takes one senator to resign, one senator to get sick, uh, one senator pass away, uh, all these scenarios, one senator to cross party lines like Joe Manchin, uh, Kirsten Cinema, Chris Coons, you know, John Tester to cross lines with or side with the Republicans that are in pretty Republican states that are senators in Republican states. 
to cross lines uh, in support with the Republicans to win re-election. Now, Chris Coons is in Delaware. He is just uh, fairly centrist-minded. He doesn't he doesn't have to worry about any re-election. But you know, John Tester uh, and Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema really do have to. Maybe even Mark Kelly to uh, a degree. Um, but I think that if he cannot get his caucus, his party to get in line with, hey, can we at least get some sort of gun control reform that we all promised to do when we got the Senate, when we got the House, when we got the presidency? If Joe Manchin can't fall in line, Kirsten Cinema, all those senators that I named before, if they can't get in line, the last option that President Biden has is by executive order. And that is, I mean, that is his really last choice. And he's kind of proving it with his statements on the matter. But if he really needs to get his agenda across, he can legislate by executive order, not completely, not fully, but only if Congress refuses to act on what he wants to get done. All right. Uh, Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, So Alcee Hastings, uh, the uh, congressman from Florida, uh, has died. Um, this um, Hastings had been suffering uh, from cancer uh, for a number of years. He was 84 years old. Um, he um, had been in uh, politics for quite a while. He started uh, serving um, in the United States House of Representatives in 1993, he had a uh, career of almost 44 years of political service, uh, but now he has died, uh, meaning there is a vacancy in the Senate uh, ne- or in the House of Representatives. Uh, apologies. Um, with his uh, with his death, uh, the uh, current uh, Democratic majority in the United States House of Representatives now shrinks to just four House members. Uh, It is expected. um, This area is a considerably blue area. um, So it is expected heavily uh, that this uh, seat will likely uh, go to the Democrats when um, the uh, when it comes time to fill the seat. What are your thoughts on Alcee Hastings dying? Um, Well, I don't think it really poses. I mean, for the for now, it poses a real difficulty to Nancy Pelosi and to uh, Joe Biden uh, to really get a, an agenda passed in the House because they were already having problems in the Senate with Chuck Schumer. You know, with him kind of turning his back on Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, his only hope uh, in the Senate to cross over. But not only that, you know, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema. But now, with the majority in the House now down to four, it's four, correct? Yeah, four. Yeah. Uh, it, now down to four. I mean, you have two, uh, the representative, I'm blanking on his name, from Maine's 2nd Congressional District and Abigail Spanberger, um, who are pretty conservative members of the House. You might refer to them as neoliberal, establishment, whatever. But they're pretty conservative Democrats in the House because they were elected in conservative areas you have them switching party lines you have them you know on a stimulus package on a gun control package saying my constituents don't support this i'm going to vote against it or i'm going to go vote for this republican legislation and get it passed they can't do that for much longer they can't afford to do that for much longer but i do believe uh i know that the in mexico there's going to be special elections in uh new mexico and ohio uh the in april i think it might actually be in a few days uh there will be a a confirmed democratic pickup in that louisiana race um that where i believe troy carter the democrat will win that race um but that's coming up uh, maybe in, yeah, I think it's in a few days. I know it's coming up soon here in April. Um, but these are all confirmed Democratic uh, House seats that are going to win, that the Democrats are going to retain, you know, especially that Ohio, uh, that Ohio uh, congressional district. Uh, but, I mean, this is just only a delay in the period of what Democrats could do. This is only a uh, three – this is a three to five-month uh, with a, with a vacancy in the House, a three to five months of delay on what uh, could be done in the House 
by Democrats. But it's also really, really sad uh, to see a congressman who has been in public service, who devoted his life to helping the people to try and do what he could to help the people of his district of the country uh, for 44 years, nearly five decades of service to people, to help people. I mean, that's just remarkable. Uh, I'm sure he was a remarkable congressman, a remarkable um, remarkable person, uh, and his life will not be forgotten uh, anytime soon. Uh, but when it comes down to these races, to the uh, majority um, right now that has now narrowed down, these races are going to be won by Democrats. It's just an amount of time before the Democrats can win them. All right. Well, let's move on uh, to the next story. So uh, Joe Manchin um, has now said that he will not, uh, as of right now, he is saying that he will not uh, eliminate or weaken uh, the filibuster uh, in the U.S. Congress. Uh, Manchin um, was largely pressured by Democrats to do so. Uh, Democrats have an ambitious agenda to get a lot of stuff uh, done that would require 60 votes. Uh, one thing that would include that would require 60 votes uh, to pass uh, includes um, the um, includes uh, DC statehood. Um, another thing that would require 60 votes would be HR1, the voting rights bill. Uh, Republicans have been very heavily against the bill. Uh, Democrats are very much for it. Um, that would require 60 votes to pass in Congress uh, to make it to President Biden's desk um, and other matters as well. Um, if if Puerto Rico were to become a state, uh, it would require uh, 60 votes. Um, uh, and right now it looks like uh, a lot of that agenda has now been compromised if Manchin uh, continues uh, on the road of uh, uh, of not voting to uh, eliminate the filibuster. Of course, that could always change if Manchin changes his mind, but now Manchin has indicated uh, that he uh, has no indication uh, of changing his mind on the filibuster. Almost every single Republican has expressed support for the filibuster and opposition uh, for eliminating the filibuster, which means that if... Uh, if that holds, and if all 50 Republicans choose uh, to um, to uh, keep the filibuster in place, uh, Democrats would need all 50 senators, uh, including Joe Manchin, uh, to eliminate the filibuster. If all 50 Democrats voted to eliminate or weaken uh, the filibuster, even if they didn't eliminate it, then Vice President Kamala Harris could uh, break the tie and eliminate the filibuster, allowing uh, for bills like H.R. 1 and D.C. slash Puerto Rico statehood uh, to uh, be uh, be able to pass with just 50 uh, votes, uh, plus a 51st vote from the vice president. What are your thoughts on Joe Manchin's opposition to eliminating the filibuster? Um, well, I think that it can put a huge blocker in the road for Democrats. You know, this could even prove to uh, put a, you know, uh, a tight uh, primary challenger on Joe Manchin if progressives, if a progressive wing of the party really says this time, you know what, I don't care about the majority in the in the in the senate we all know we can easily defeat joe manchin in a primary this time around why don't we do it uh i don't know whether he could get past the primary if he would uh lose a primary challenge uh paula jean swearingen uh however i don't know how to say her last name my apologies but she tried to she was the democratic nominee against shelly more capito in the 2020 uh, elections she uh she had um, lost to Shelley Moore Capito by around, I'd say, 50%. Uh, but she also lost to uh, Senator Manchin in 2018 in his primary by a substantial margin. Uh, so I don't know how well a progressive challenger could take down uh, Senator Manchin, but this could definitely prove to Democrats to even use some of their blackmail, maybe not blackmail, what you would call it. But uh, what Republicans in the state of West Virginia are saying are if you support this, 
then we will not vote for you or support you next election. But if you also – but Democrats could say if you don't support this, then we will primary you. So this could put Joe Manchin in a tough position of should I choose my party or my state? Uh, and that's pretty much uh, where it could sit for him from yeah. doing this. Now, if Joe Manchin were primaried out uh, by a progressive, um, obviously, you know, West Virginia is considered a red state. Uh, it went substantially for Donald Trump uh, both times. Uh, the last time it went for a, a Democrat was in 1996. 2000 was the last time it was even close for a Democrat. Um do you think that if a progressive were to successfully primary out Joe Manchin in 2024, when Manchin is up for re-election, uh, do you think that they would have a shot at uh, taking down the Republican nominee? No, uh, because whoever would take on Manchin would be far more left uh, than uh, than Joe Manchin. And Joe Manchin can barely win uh, maybe by 4 or 5% in West Virginia as a practical Republican mindset uh, or what Democrats would really call a Republican mindset. Um, I don't think any a progressive would really win in West Virginia, they, as we saw in 2020, even though Shelley Moore Capital had the incumbency factor along with her, Paula Jean still lost by 50% of the vote, 50% of the vote. That is a lot. And if you just take out incumbency advantage, that might be a 65 to 35 race uh, instead of a 70 to 30 race or a 75 to 25 race. But, I mean, I don't think that if a Democrats did primary Joe Manchin, they have to think he is either going to be a Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, or is it going to be a getting Joe Manchin out, I just want to send a message to every other Democrat in the Senate. I think it would be a very poor choice of the Democrats to primary Manchin, uh, because then that goes their Senate majority. Uh, but... You know, I can also see where they're coming from if they wanted to primary Joe Manchin. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so right now um, in um, uh, let's move on to the next story. So um, right now, uh, Joe Biden has started a commission uh, to study the Supreme Court. Uh, there have been many uh, allegations from some people uh, that the Supreme Court is too uh, partisan. Uh, this is what a lot of left-wing activists have, uh, ha and many other publications have um, alleged about the Supreme Court. There's been a lot of uh, uh, call for Supreme Court reform. Um, however, right now, um, Joe Biden is now saying he is going to put together a federal commission to study the Supreme Court. However, critics of Biden's uh, proposed uh, commission uh, have uh, accused Biden of secretly trying uh, to introduce uh, what's known as court packing uh, or, or what's often been referred to as court packing, uh, in which Biden would add more than nine justices to the Supreme Court, uh, which would be appointed uh, by him. Uh, right now, uh, this has received a lot of backlash. Um, even some of the liberal justices on the Supreme Court are not uh, happy about this. Uh, Justice Ant, uh, um, Justice uh, Stephen Breyer, uh, a liberal justice on the court who was appointed uh, by President Bill Clinton in the 1990s, ha has um, publicly uh, warned Biden against uh, packing the court um, and has said that he and has threatened uh, specific uh, actions uh, if Biden does uh, choose to add more than nine justices to the Supreme Court. However, proponents of Biden's commission have said that it is unlikely Biden will actually choose to add more than nine justices to the court and that this is just a, uh, a way of um, trying to add more reforms to make the, the court more ethical. What are your thoughts on uh, Biden's uh, Supreme Court commission? Um, well, my main thoughts on it are that he will not be packing the 
court in the end. Uh, a lot of establishment Democrats, a lot of Democrats that won in tight states, uh, and Joe Biden himself said on the campaign trail, no, I will not be court packing. That would be a death sentence to Democrats in the midterms and the presidential election in 2024 saying they will not keep their promises. They say they're not going to do this, but they will do this. And they'll come up with scary proponents to do that. And that could haunt them for years. I do not think that Joe Biden will pack the Supreme Court, but I do think that he could be looking at some reformations on the Supreme Court. Will he get term limits passed on the Supreme Court uh, in his term? Probably not. But what will this commission do is probably look for a future president, maybe president, uh, a future president, Kamala Harris, a future president, Elizabeth Warren, whoever could be for a Democrat uh, to look at possible term limits in their presidency, uh, you know, whether they win in 2024, uh, whether President Biden wins in 2024. Um, I, but I feel like term limits would not happen under a Biden administration or a Biden-Harris administration. But I do think that he could be setting this commission up for potential changes in a future Democratic uh, presidency, uh, whomever they may, that may be uh, in the future, whether it be 2024 or 2028 and beyond. All right. Uh, so right now, uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas um, he, uh, is being attacked by his own party over a, re, uh, a veto of a controversial bill uh, involving uh, LGBT uh, people in uh, the Arkansas uh, Congress. Um, the bill uh, proposes a number of things. Uh, one of the things uh, would uh, uh, prohibit uh, puberty blockers from being given to uh, uh, two children under a certain age, but it also uh, provides other uh, things that some people have found to be overly intrusive. Um, it's for this reason that uh, Hutchinson uh, has said that he um, vetoed the bill. He said that uh, it, um, from a freedom standpoint, uh, he believed it was right. Uh, it was overly intrusive, uh, and that uh, it was what uh, Milton Friedman and Ronald Reagan would want him to do. Uh, however, uh, many Republicans. Uh, have attacked Hutchinson saying that um, uh, the bill would have stopped, claiming that the bill would have stopped chemical castration uh, among children. Uh, right now, uh, former President Donald Trump released a statement bashing um, him for the uh, uh, bashing him for the uh, bill, uh, saying uh, that Asa Hutchinson uh, had vetoed a bill. Uh, that would have uh, stopped chemical castration. Uh, Trump also said in the bill he reiterated his support for his former press secretary, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the daughter of former Governor uh, Mike Huckabee, uh, who is currently uh, seeking the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas in 2022 when uh, Hutchinson is term limited uh, and will not and will be ineligible to run uh, to seek a third term in office. Uh, what are your thoughts um, on uh, Hutchinson's uh, veto of the bill and what are your thoughts on President Trump's response to it? Um, well, I do know that uh, Governor Hutchinson did release a statement calling uh, President Trump, saying that President Trump had divisive rhetoric in his words after his Republican uh, – at his speech at Mar-a-Lago either last night or the other night where he basically called Mitch McConnell and all of his former allies when he was president basically losers, stupid, dumb. Uh, uh, Governor Hutchinson didn't like that. Um you know, Senator Thune didn't like that. Senator McConnell obviously did not like that. But I do believe that uh, Governor Hutchinson is saying, you know what? Look, I'm at the end of my term limit. I'm, gonna, I'm at the end of my uh, my term as governor here. I'm going to do what I want to do, and what I want to do is I want to veto this. Uh, the veto was overridden uh, by the Arkansas State Legislature. I believe this now the law in Arkansas, regardless. Uh, of the governor's veto has been overridden. Uh, but I do believe that President Trump's response to it uh, is something I, I would believe that he would say something like this. But what I don't what I don't 
don't like about what legislatures are doing or saying, oh, but look at look at this. You're saying you're pointing out all the negatives in the bill, but it bans chemical castration. Well, if you really wanted to ban chemical castration, why would you uh, put it in a bill uh, with all of this other all these other things? You know, if you're saying, well, look, you might not I mean you might disagree with everything else in the bill. But look, chemical castration. Well, guess what? It, well, guess what? The governor does not have amendable powers. That's in the powers of the legislatures to amend the bills. He can only veto or sign the bills practically. He can't amend them, uh, which basically I, I believe that if the governor could, he would amend it to say chemical castration. But it's not like he's denying chemical castration just in general this is literally just him denying a bill in general i've seen senators and house members deny bills vote against bills because of one subsection maybe in the bill they are very 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 descriptive on what they want and what they do not want in bills all right uh well let's move on to the next story so uh the mlb uh the major league baseball uh, is uh, continuing to move out of the state of Georgia uh, over um, over uh, its uh, recent uh, controversial voting bill. Uh, the voting bill uh, makes it uh, introduces more restrictions uh, when it comes to voting. Um, uh, critics of the bill say that it's overly intrusive and that it's uh, simply an attempt to try and stop. Uh, more people from voting and help Republicans win. Uh, proponents of the bill have said that it is an effective way, uh, an effective and fair way to stop voter fraud uh, and point to uh, a provision in the bill that expands um, uh, voting, uh, early voting. However, opponents of the bill have uh, taken issue uh, with uh, parts of the bill that uh, limit uh the ability to uh that limit mail-in voting uh that limit the amount of mail-in vote uh votes that are allowed and that limit the uh the amount of um and and that limit um and, and that say you can't uh eat or drink uh while in line for voting uh many people um have been bashing the MLB over this decision uh governor uh Brian Kemp has uh, bashed uh, the MLB over this decision. Um, other people uh, have bashed it. Uh, President Donald Trump has bashed the MLB over this decision. Uh, however, many others um, have said good riddance. Um, uh, controversial uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has said she is glad that the MLB is leaving Georgia um, and that she believes that it is better for the state, uh, while others have said that it, uh, it would be worse for the state, uh, like Governor Brian Kemp and President Donald Trump. What are your thoughts uh, on this decision? Um, well, it's completely up to the MLB. They're a private organization. They can do what they want. They can choose where their all-star games are. If they want to take in protests, they can. Uh, now, that's up to the people to really decide whether they want politics and sports, you know, uh, whether they want... Uh, pull, uh, a sports organization to take a stand against something and possibly lose half of its fan base, two-thirds of its fan base, whatever, uh, a quarter of their fan base uh, from this decision. I mean, uh, this will definitely cost, and even uh, uh, Mayor Lance Bottoms in uh, uh, Atlanta even said that this will cost the city and state millions of dollars and that this was going to be their way to kind of come back from the pandemic and the just deficit and the punch that it took, that they took from the pandemic financially. Um, this will hurt them. But maybe the MLB was trying to send a message that they did not support the bill, that they wanted the bill repealed. Whatever they really wanted, uh, that is really up to the MLB, and that's really up to the people to decide whether or not they really wanted the politics in sports. All right, well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so, um, right now, uh, Kentucky, uh, the state of Kentucky, the Kentucky State Legislature, has overridden a bill that was opposed by Governor Andy Bashir, uh, Democratic Governor Andy Bashir. Um, of course, the, the legislature uh, is controlled by Republicans. They have a supermajority in both houses in Kentucky. They've overridden a bill that was vetoed uh, by Andy Bashir, 
that requires that if a uh, senator uh, dies or resigns in office, or a U.S. senator dies and resigns in office, if there's a vacancy in one of the two Kentucky United States Senate seats, uh, that the governor uh, be required uh, to appoint a senator of the same party uh, as uh, the uh, senator that died or resigned. Uh, Bashir opposed the bill, but it doesn't matter. It was overwritten by the, uh, by the legislature and is now uh, law. Uh, despite this, however, uh, it is, um, m- many have said that uh, this bill uh, was a way of targeting Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Um, due to Mitch McConnell's uh, recent opposition and criticisms of former President Donald Trump, uh, many have speculated that McConnell could be preparing uh, to resign soon um, and that this bill may have been a way of assuring uh, Democrats didn't get an extra seat in the United States Senate uh, should McConnell resign. Um, however, McConnell is making it very clear so far that that is not the case. McConnell uh, said that he supports the bill and had he been a Kentucky state legislature uh, legislator, uh, he, he too uh, would support uh, this bill and he would have voted for it. Uh, however, he has no plans uh, to resign as of the current moment. What are your thoughts on this bill? Um, well, I don't think that Senator McConnell will resign, or at least in any point in the future. Uh, but I think that with the uh, Republicans seeing maybe Mitch McConnell's frail old age, his health, serving six more years in the Senate is a lot for someone his age, a lot of stress, a lot of work. Uh, we can also see that with Senator Grassley and Senator Feinstein and maybe even Senator Leahy. This is a lot of work to be a United States senator, and it really is tiring, very tiring, very stressful work. And they could see maybe with McConnell's health problems uh, and maybe his frail old age that he could potentially be leaving office early or maybe even with his opposition to uh, former President Trump, that he could be leaving office early um, because of this. Um, and I think this might have been just a preparation just in, just in case uh, – because they would not want a, an even bigger Senate majority than they already have uh, by Governor Bashir appointing a Democrat. Um, but I do believe – I don't believe that he will resign at least in the next two years if, they, if the Democrats do not – if the Democrats retain their Senate majority in – in 2022, though, it could be a possibility of McConnell resigning uh, due to health problems or he does not like the way the party is moving. All right. Um, all right. So uh, right now, um, for, uh, this will be the last story of uh, this week. Uh, so right now, um, Donald Trump has assembled uh, a list of Republicans that he could potentially look at uh, as propping up or endorsing in the year 2024. Now, it should be noted uh, that the former president of the United States is considering another run for president in 2024. Uh, however, um, if Donald Trump were to do that, he would be the first former president uh, to seek office uh, once again for a non-consecutive term since Herbert Hoover uh, all the way back in 1936. Uh, Hoover, of course, lost uh, re-election uh, by a landslide to Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1932. He attempted to res- to seek uh, to reseek the Republican nomination in 1936, uh, but he instead lost to Alf Landon. Um, Trump, of course, has been reportedly considering a run in 2024. Um, if he were to win the Republican nomination, he would be the first uh, pre- former president since. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, all the way back in 1912, to make ballot access uh, in uh, in every United States st- in every state in the U.S. Um, and if he were to win, he'd be the second president in uh, history uh, to ever uh, win a second non-consecutive term. Of course, the first was Grover Cleveland, all the way back 
1892. Um, however, uh, Trump reportedly is not uh, 100% convinced that he will uh, indeed run uh, for a uh, second non-consecutive term in 2024. Uh, in the event that he doesn't, he has assembled a list uh, the list so far includes Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Missouri Governor uh, Josh Hawley, Texas Senator uh, Ted Cruz, who was once uh, his fierce rival in the 2016 Republican primary turned uh, close friend, uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, uh, his former press secretary and now uh, candidate for governor in 2022, uh, governor of Arkansas in 2022, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and South Dakota Governor uh, Christy Nome. Uh, Trump has been looking at these people as the future of the Republican Party uh, should he choose not to run again. Um, however, there are some notable uh, rumored 2024 uh, contenders that have been left off the list. Uh, uh, notably, uh, a few former allies of the president, including uh, Congre- Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who had previously said he was, uh, who had previously hinted he was thinking about running in 2024. Uh, former Vice President uh, Mike Pence, who served under Donald Trump. Mike Pence uh, has not been uh, at all shy uh, about hinting uh, that he may run in 2024. And former uh, UN ambassador uh, Nikki Haley, who of course served as an uh, as ambassador to the United Nations under President Donald Trump, um, they were snubbed from Trump's list. Um, right now, uh, there have been reports that since uh, the uh, the violent protests on January sixth, two thousand twenty one, the rift between Pence and Trump has uh, opened up uh, and that uh, Trump and Pence could, uh, you know, be splitting apart even more. Uh, This only uh, further indicates uh, that. Um, Also, uh, it was previously rumored that uh, Trump could be on board with a Haley candidacy should he choose not to run again. However, Haley has recently been more critical of the president after the January 6th uh, violent protests, uh, Haley said that she uh, believed that Donald Trump, uh, the Republican Party, never should have embraced Donald Trump. She later went back on that and said that Donald Trump uh, had been great for the Republican Party. However, uh, it was being reported that Donald Trump was not a fan of that. Uh, uh, During a major at Mar-a-Lago, Haley was snubbed and apparently Trump refused to talk to her. Um, And of course, Florida Congressman Matt Gaetz is going, is under investigation uh, for his, uh, for the allegations that he had a relationship with a 17-year-old. It is rumored that uh, potentially uh, it's these allegations that uh, led Donald Trump to snub him from the list. But what are your thoughts on the list and some of the notable snubs from Donald Trump's potential list in 2024? First of all, if Donald Trump uh, does choose to run, what do you think uh, are the chances he would win the nomination? Um, What do you think are the the chances that anybody on this list would win the nomination if Donald Trump chooses to uh, not to run? And what are your thoughts on the list? Um, well, the thoughts, my thoughts on Donald Trump uh, winning, coming back on the nomination, I think he would completely win the nomination unless the party takes a major turn in the next four years, which is completely possible. The party could take a major turn in the next four years. I mean, Trump could be the face of the party now, uh, kind of like Obama and Hillary Clinton were in 2016. Now the faces of the party are Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, you know, Chuck Schumer, uh, it's a completely different face now. So Donald Trump could be the face of the Republican Party now. We could see a, a face of the Republican Party in 2024 that could be Nikki Haley. It could be Mike Pence. Uh, we just don't know. Um, but my thoughts on the list are that the it's not surprising to me at all. These people were the biggest supporters of the president in the 2020 election. This is basically the most famous Republicans of 2020 list. Josh Hawley, Christy Noam, uh, you know, 
Ted Cruz, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. These are all these are all notable names, especially ones that were the biggest supporters of the president. Um, now, uh, my chances on who I think my best bet of who I believe could win the nomination if Donald Trump is not on the ballot and is one of the people on this list. Um, they're, they're, uh, I believe that it could be uh, probably, if you're choosing from someone from the list, maybe Ron DeSantis or Ted Cruz. But in general, I believe Mike Pence would have the second best bet among Republicans, unless Ted Cruz in the party, that party faction, kind of take over him. Uh, but Mike Pence is looking very good right now in a 2024 Republican nomination. And I know a lot of former Trump supporters can get behind a Mike Pence nomination. Um now, I, it's not surprising to me at all. Uh, I don't believe that Mike Pence and Nikki Haley were left off the list um, because Nikki Haley had been critical of the president after the insurrection. Uh, she never called for his impeachment, but she did say that she was extremely critical of him. And Donald Trump does not like criticism. He likes to see that he is always uh, right. That's just his personality. That's just the way he is. Um, but um, – that's just kind of the way he is. He's never taken well uh, to criticism of any kind, kind of like President Biden has never really taken well to any criticism of any time, kind of losing his temper in some press conferences. Um, but Donald Trump, uh, not surprising me at all, they left Nikki Haley off that list. Um, but it is also not surprising me at all that Mike Pence was taken off that list. You know, Mike Pence... Um, I don't believe that after the insurrection on January 6th that they had even talked. I don't believe that they had even talked uh, up to the inauguration. That's 14 days, two weeks straight, that they had not spoken to one another. As vice president and president of the United States, usually in those last two weeks, you want to get as much done as possible. But they did not. They did not speak for weeks, and I don't believe they have spoken since. There is a major rift between the Pences and the Trumps, and the Pences have even gone out to say that they feel threatened. Their lives feel threatened because of what Donald Trump has done. They will not be getting together anytime soon, and if Donald Trump does run, he will not be choosing Mike Pence to be vice president of the United States. If he does run and win the nomination, my best bet would probably be Ted Cruz or Ron DeSantis to be his vice president. Um, so, uh, first of all, you've said that Mike Pence has the best shot of winning the nomination if Donald Trump chooses not to run. Uh, we've seen in the past, you know, a lot of former allies of Trump that have run, um, have, you know, Donald Trump has spoken out against them and they've ultimately lost major nominations. Uh, Jeff Sessions in the Alabama 2020 Republican primary, uh, was a great example uh, was largely considered the front runner when he got into that primary. Uh, President Trump uh, came out, said that uh, Sessions was disloyal, um, that he had no place, uh, you know, being a senator, and that he betrayed him. Ultimately, uh, as we know, Sessions did lose by a landslide in the primary runoff to uh, now Senator uh, Tommy Tuberville. Um, do you think something like that could happen with Don, with Mike Pence if Mike Pence uh, announces his candidacy and comes out as the front runner uh, in the primary? Uh, do you believe Donald Trump uh, could say, uh, "Look, he was disloyal to me. Uh, I don't want him," and that that could open up um, and allow for a, a Republican like Ron DeSantis, like Ted Cruz, like Kristi Noem to ultimately surpass? Uh, him in a primary. I mean, it is completely possible. Uh, as of now, that is completely possible. But in four years, we got to see where the party is uh, via Donald Trump. Uh, whether, oops, sorry, he is still the face of the party, uh, or whether or not, or whether he is uh, not the face of the party anymore as he is right now. Um, but he hasn't really gone out in public. There may be a rift between the two of them, but he has not really gone out in public yet. Uh, I mean, and said anything on Mike Pence, uh, other than his speech, uh, last night or the other night at Mar-a-Lago, where he said, I was, he was a little disappointed in Mike Pence, but that's really all he said is that he was a little disappointed in him, um, for not doing more on January 6th. Um, but, um... 
but you know mike pence is also not trying to walk away from his vice presidency what he's trying to do now is he's trying to actually more so embrace his vice presidency and embrace the trump administration the trump pence administration he is more so trying to look onto the bright side look onto the hey you know besides this look at what we did here this is what he's trying to do uh in his maybe low-key little retirement here uh, that he has going on, uh, that might be I, that's what he's doing, and I think he might be laying the ground for 2024 uh, by doing this. Um, so in four years, if Donald Trump kind of fizzles out from the party, you know, 2022, if he endorses people, he might have a a better chance of uh, anyone who's endorsed by Trump will definitely win their primaries. But in 2024, it could be all game. It could be a different face of the party. Kevin McCarthy could be the face of the party by then. Uh, someone else, you know, could be the face of the party by then. And they could take the party on wherever they want to go. Uh, Mitch McConnell could even be the face of the party by then. Who knows? Um, but that is where we could stand in four years. And so I think Mike Pence or Ted Cruz could have the greatest chance among all of them. And what do you think are the chances that the base could drift away from Donald Trump? It's about 50-50, you know. Um, it is about 50-50. I mean, and maybe in a year from now we won't even hear from Donald Trump. Uh, that's a very likely possibility. Uh, he might just fizzle out because he does not have a social media platform uh, because of just statements that are coming out. And maybe the media will kind of drift away from him and go towards President Biden and maybe other candidates. Uh, it is very likely possible that he could that it could drift away. I'd say it is about 55 percent possibility that the party drifts away 55 percent to 60 percent possibility that the party does drift away from Donald Trump by the 2024 elections. All right. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us. Tell us a little bit before you leave uh, where you can be found on YouTube and social media. Uh, we can be found uh, on YouTube is Election Predictions Official. Uh, it is a YouTube channel with almost nearly 80,000 subscribers on YouTube. On Instagram, we are known as also Election Predictions Official, nearly 3,000 followers, 2.7 thousand, I believe, right now on Instagram. Our Discord can also be found in our bios in YouTube and Instagram and those are practically our only social medias as of now, um, but that is where you can mainly find us. But our main page that we are posting on is YouTube. All right. Thank you again for joining us and make sure to tune in next week. After four seasons, it's finally coming. Politics Weekly the 100th episode coming soon.